Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. We kind of have the advantage of the whole story already. We start off knowing the whole story. I start Esther knowing that they're not going to die. God's going to intervene. God's going to prevent. But they got to go through 11 months not knowing what's going to happen. Right? Oftentimes, that's our life. That's where we live. We live in the world that says, God, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't know if this is going to go away. I don't know if this situation is going to be resolved. I don't know. I'm finding out as I go. And so what I have to do is trust God with what I can't see. In your walk with Christ, are there ever times when you feel uneasy about what's going on in your life? Do you ever feel yourself trusting God only to jump ship when the going gets rocky? Today, Pastor Bill wants you to know that you will never know your whole story, but God does. When life is hitting you hard and it doesn't make sense in your head to follow God's plan, stand firm in your faith. He is tirelessly working everything for your good. Let him work miraculous wonders in your life. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Esther chapter 3 as he continues his message. Stand your ground. I want you to note this, Haman's first step in his new position, right? He's just been promoted to second to the king. What's the first thing he does with his new position is he casts lots to determine a suitable date for the mass execution of the Jewish people. That's the first thing he does in power. It almost makes you think that Satan is the one that put him in power. That's your first thing. That's the first thing you're going to do. Your presidents, when they get in, you know, usually when they, usually the first thing they sign is they're making a point. These are the people that put me on. These are the people that have supported me. The first thing that I sign is something that I'm, I'm making a point. I'm 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 showing my um, my my gra- my gratitude to some group or whatever. Um, first thing he does when he gets in power is cast lots to determine when they're going to do a mass ex- execution of the Jewish people. Uh, again, by God's providence, the date is is almost a year away, 11 months, and God has, has left some room and some time for him to work. Look at what happens next. Verse 8, it says, Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the people of all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from all other people's, and they do not keep the king's laws. Therefore, it is not fitting for the king to let them remain. If it pleases the king, let a decree be written that they be destroyed. And I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who do the work to bring it into the king's treasuries. So this is what he's doing. There's a little bit of a bribe here, but there's also he's he's leveraging his position before the king um, and he's being deceptive. He's, he's kind of got it. He's got the, he's, he's given the king the impression that there's, there's this group out there. Cause if you guys understand how kingdoms were run back here, if there was a group, there was a coup going on. If there was a group of people that were, you know, kind of trying to raise up against the king, king had to squash it out real quick to keep his position. Um, the Jews were not that they weren't trying to rise up and take over Persia. There were none of those things, but that's the, that's the idea that Haman is giving King Ahasuerus. Hey, there's a group of people here. And they don't follow any of your rules. They, they do their own thing. They're, they're, this, they're dangerous is what he's insinuating uh, to the king. And so he's, he's, you know, he's manipulating the king to get permission from the king to be able to wipe them out. He asked the king to issue a decree 
ordering the the annihilation of this group. He offered to pay 10,000 talents of silver into the royal treasury, um, which, which, by the way, had been badly depleted because the king of Hatteras went to Greece and tried to take over and he got whooped. And he got sent home. Remember when he came home sad and realized he didn't have a wife and he lost in the battle. Um, he had depleted their resources when he tried to, his failed attempt at, 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 at a battle with Greece. And so he needed the money. And so all of this probably sounded good to the king. And Haman took advantage of all of that. And uh, we're going to see in just a moment that Hadrian is going to seal the death with his signet ring and, and basically sentence all the Jews in his provinces to be murdered, to be killed in the streets. And so it says in verse uh, 10, so the king took his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, the money and the people are given to you to do to them as seems good to you. So King Ahasuerus basically tells Haman, hey, go for it, bro. Do what seems good to you. That's scary. When When I'm hearing the king you know, give his authority, his power to to Haman, who I know is wicked. The Bible calls him the enemy of the Jews. And it says that he says, hey, do what seems good to you. Go for it. Here's what is encouraging to me. Haman has everything he needs, but it's not enough. He has permission from the king. He has power. He has authority. He is the second to the king. I mean, he has money. He has wealth. He has position. He has power. He has everything. And understand this. All of that is not enough to defeat God. Amen. Right. When the Bible says, if God is with you, who can be against you? Right. If God is with you, who can think about that? Think about everything Haman has in his power. And he's not going to be able to succeed at wiping out God's people because God is saying, no, those are my people. Do you know that about yourself? Do you know that, that as long as as long as God is not done with you, like you, you're covered, there's a divine protection over the believer. Y'all know that? That, that we're, I mean, until God's done with me, um, the enemy does not have free access. So if something is allowed in my life, I got to look to God and say, God, you allowed it. You could have prevented it, but you allowed it unless you're sinning in, in case that you put yourself out there. But if you're walking with the Lord, obeying God, um, I'm covered. I mean, everything that happens in my life has got to be father filtered, got to pass by dad before it can get to me. Um, that's an encouraging thought. And especially when I look at this, the fact that God protects he covers. He's pre, he is going to protect this group of people. I'm, I'm cheating ahead of the story. God is going to protect them. But what we see is how much is against them. The king kind of accidentally is against them. He's been misled. Um, he's not given much thought to this. He's given uh, Haman all this authority and power. Haman is clearly against the Jews. His pride has been messed with. This one man won't bow down to me. I'm going to show him. I'm going to wipe out his whole people. I'm going to get everybody for what what he's doing. Um, That's what Haman intends to do with his power. And he offered this this $10,000 that he offered. I'm sorry, this 10,000 talents of silver um, that he offered to bring into the treasury. Guess where that money was going to come from? That was going to be spoils. As they slaughtered the Jews and took all their stuff, um, he was going to bring it back. So, um, he, he's already spending the money of dead people and promising it, you know, um, that's, that's what he intended to do. And so let me give us this little bit, right? Throughout history, there has been at different times, a concerted effort to destroy God's people, the Jews. Pharaoh tried to annihilate them in Egypt. Haman tried to annihilate them here in Persia. 
Herod tried to annihilate them in the days of Christ. Hitler tried to annihilate them in our lifespan, in our, not our lifespan, but in, 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 in more current times. And, 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 and after all these failures, after failing to destroy uh, all these different things, um, you know, it, it's, it just seems, you, you see this, it's a constant attempt of the enemy to destroy that which would come from, that which, that which belongs to the Lord, that which is precious to God. And so he was trying to stop him before the first coming. You know, I believe Satan was involved in the crucifixion. Satan thought, okay, surely we got him now. We killed him. That didn't work. Then as you get to the book of Acts, those that are proclaiming the message, there's been persecution on Christians from the beginning of the church to the current day. Y'all know Christians are still dying for their faith, right? It's satanic. That's, that's satanic. Like when you think about the message of Christianity, it is the most peaceful message. It's, I mean, even you think about what we're preaching, what we're promoting, we're saying, look, God did something for you. You couldn't do for yourself. You're a sinner. God loves bad people. He died on the cross in your place for your sins. He rose from the grave. He's extending forgiveness and salvation to you. If you would just believe on him, come and, and receive him. And there are places in the world right now where they'll put you in the grave for preaching that message. There, there are pastors in places like the Sudan that when they get up and preach, they know that they might, this, that might be their last sermon. There are places in China where they got to go underground and sneak and preach because the government is against that message. It's satanic. Satan hates this message. He hates the liberty that it brings, the life that it brings, the freedom that it brings, the salvation that it brings. He hates it. And so we need to be aware of that, I guess, for two reasons. One, I need to make sure that I'm not against what God is for. Amen. I don't want to, I don't want to be found to be against something God is for. So as I look at the Jewish people, I see throughout scripture all the way to the end. Y'all understand God is for the Jewish people. Um, even though they've betrayed him, even though they haven't found, they haven't been saved. God is there. Those are God. Said, I chose them my own special people. And they're a demonstration to you and me, right? If God can still love them all this time and have a plan to save them in the end times. And historically they've rejected him. What does that say for you and me that have received Christ by faith now? I mean, if, if God's going to continue to go after them, I know I'm good, right? I'm, I'm, I'm in good hands. It, it, it should demonstrate to you and I the faithfulness of God. When God makes a covenant, he keeps it. When God makes a promise to a people, he keeps it despite them. And so if God says, if you believe in me, I'll save you. If you have a bad day, guess what? He keeps his part of the deal. Y'all know that? Right? You're still saved. You're going to have some bad days. You're going to bump your head on some things. And, and it's thankfully, it's, it's the strength of God's side of the commitment that's keeping us. And so we learn about the faithfulness of God to keep his people. Now, moving on, look at verse 12. It says, then the king's scribes were called on the 13th day of the first, first month. And the decree was written according to all that Haman commanded to the king's satraps, to the governors who were over each province, to the officials and all the people, to every province according to its script and to every people in their language. In the name of King Ahasuerus, it was written and sealed uh, with the king's signet ring. And the letters were sent by couriers into all the king's provinces, listen to this, to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all the Jews, both young and old, little children and women. And one day, on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is in the month of Adar, and to plunder their possessions. I want to, I want you to understand what this would have been like for them. That 12th month, month of Adar is different than our calendar. It would have been like saying on March 12th, imagine that y'all went out. Let me ask what cultures we have. We have black people here. 
Somebody else tell me something else. What else is you? Some people here. Latinos, all right. We got blacks, Latinos. What else do we have? White, Caucasian, okay. Okay, so let's let's say any of those, right? Let's say if you're black, let's say you went out and, and you saw a sign that said, hey, March 12th, starting March 12th, on March 12th, we annihilating every black person by the government. The government put it out. The Navy SEALs, the, the, the military, they're out there to enforce it on March 12th. Imagine walking around for months and everywhere you go on the public spaces, that's it's on the billboards, March 12th, all the black people going to die. Or if you're white, March 12th, all the Caucasians are going to get them, get them, get them. Or the Latinos, March 12th, all the Latinos. Can you imagine what the fear, can you imagine the, uh, the, the discomfort that that would be? That's what just happened here. Haman got the king to sign it. He said, he immediately, he sent out couriers. He sent out satraps. He sent out the messengers. Hey, stick this up in every province. I want them to know it's coming. We coming for him. I want them to know. And he had it put up everywhere. What would, what do you think that would cause in the Jews? Immediate response would be what? Fear, right? That would provoke fear. I just see written everywhere. The government is saying they have permission on this date to start annihilating us, man, woman, boy, girl, little kids, babies, everybody wiped out. Um, that I think, I think that one of Satan's tactics is he torments people through fear. Now, here's the thing. Imagine that, you know, this is 11 months early because this is an important, I, 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 this is, this is an important point. I believe somebody needs this. Somebody here is a warrior. Maybe somebody watching is a warrior. Maybe you're prone to worry. That would be legitimate, worrisome. But the Bible tells us not to worry. Instead of worrying, we're supposed to do what? Pray. So these Jews, though that would be scary, they're not supposed to be afraid and scared. They're supposed to do what? Pray. And God, who they're crying out to, is able to intervene. He's able to save. He's able, if he, if they're supposed to be saved, he's the one that's able to do it. That's what, that's what they're supposed to do. Now, they're out of practice. They're out of fellowship. They ain't been near the Lord for a long time. So some of these guys are going to be dealing with fear for 11 months. But I just want you to know, maybe you're here and you're listening to this because we kind of have the advantage of the whole story already. We start off knowing the whole story. I start Esther knowing that they're not going to die. God's going to intervene. God's going to prevent. But they got to go through 11 months not knowing what's going to happen, right? Oftentimes, that's our life. That's where we live. We live in the world that says, God, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't know if this is going to go away. I don't know if this situation is going to be resolved. I don't know. I'm finding out as I go. And so what I have to do is trust God with what I can't see. Amen. I got to trust God with the unknown. I got to trust the unknown to an all-knowing God. And even when you read a story like this and we, we see the faithful hand of God, this has to teach me that in my next situation where I'm tempted to worry, tempted to be fearful, instead I need to just pray, God, you're faithful. I got story after story after story after story in scripture, in my life, in friends' lives where, God, you just came through. You came through in times that only you could. You did what only you can do. You prevented bad things from happening. I had a, a friend of mine got in some legal trouble. And, you know, it, it, you know, situation happened. He got into some legal trouble. And we ended up calling. We talked. We prayed. And really, we're just praying that God would have mercy because, he, he in, in, in essence, he had messed up. And you know, had to deal with some things. And then he got something to, he called me this earlier today and got something in the mail saying whatever detective got it, just said, Hey, forget about it. We're, we're, they're just dropping the whole thing. And I mean, you know, I, I, I was on the phone like, man, we let's, let's say, thank you, Lord, you know, praise God. I mean, I can rejoice in that. 
that's mercy. Mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. Amen. Uh, if everybody here that's got, if, if, every, if, if everybody here was convicted of all your crimes, some of y'all might not be here. <laughs> so that's a blessing. That's, that's God just, I, I look at that situation and say, look, we pray, we beg for mercy. God said this time. I said, man, let's thank him for the mercy. Let's make sure we get the lesson. Um, but God has been merciful. I, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I thank God for that. I just hope that you guys are being encouraged that God is faithful. When fearful things happen, we're not supposed to fear. We're supposed to be full of faith. Your flesh will want to be afraid, but we're not supposed to be afraid. We're supposed to fear God alone and we're supposed to trust God with everything. And so easier said than done. I know easier to say when it's your situation instead of my situation, but it still remains true that when stuff is hanging over our head unknown, that's your moment. That's your opportunity to trust or bust. You either going to trust God in that moment or here's the thing. You could worry for 11 months and at the 11th month and one day find out that God was going to be faithful and, and look at all the, look at all the months you wasted worrying. You probably be worse for wear, more gray hair, wrinkles, crow, what is it called? crow's feet. You know, this, you'd be all jacked up. The 11 months of stressing out for nothing. God was going to come through. Don't do it. Uh, we need to trust in our faithful God. They don't know what God's going to do yet, but we do. And so uh, we got to learn, we got to take from these lessons as well. So uh, moving on, it says at the end of verse 13, it said they were going to annihilate the Jews of all ages. And it says, and they're going to plunder their possessions. Uh, now verses 14, it says a copy of the document was to be issued as law in every province being published for all people that they should be ready for that day. The couriers went out hastened by the king's command and the decree was proclaimed in Shushan, the citadel. So the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Sushan was perplexed. I thought this was interesting here too, right? We've seen already a couple, we've seen bad decisions come from drinking already. Did we not? The, this all, this whole book started. Every, the, every down, the whole downward spiral of the book of Esther for King Ahasuerus started with him drinking too much at his celebratory show off. That led to all the decisions that led to getting rid of Vashti that brought us to where we are now. Guess what? Now, at the end of this chapter, he sits down with the enemy of the Jews and they're having a drink and they're solidifying some more bad decisions. I can't let this go by without talking to y'all about it. We want to be careful about anything that takes us out of our right mind. I know that in this day and age, there are Christians are, they want, everybody want their liberty. God says, I can do it. I want to, this is, this is what I, this is the error of, I think, Christianity in some places today. People want to know how close to the edge can I get before it's a sin, right? So if you say, look, the Bible says don't get drunk. And so some you got people, some people that this, if this line is drunkenness, some people are saying, how, how close can I get to it before I sin? Am I, did I sin yet? Did I sin yet? Oh, I sinned. Oh, you know, that's not what we're supposed to do, right? You, we shouldn't be saying if, if that's the line and crossing that line puts me in, 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 in disfavor with the Lord, puts me at odds with God. I want to say I want to stay far away from that line as possible. Right. That's that's the line I want to stay away from. Right. Um, we got to be careful about that mindset, because, again, today drinking is one of the hot topics, because essentially the Bible does not say it's, it's not a sin to have a drink of alcohol. Uh, it's not a sin. I, I can't say that it is because it's not right. It's a sin to get drunk. Now, 
people like me, right? I come from a background. I used to get drunk. So for me, wisdom for me says, oh, you probably shouldn't touch it. So one of the things for me is, what's my guarantee against never getting drunk again? Don't have a drink. Because in my life, what my life has told me that when I have a drink, I won't get drunk, right? Even if I didn't plan to, I, I've never drunk. I never drank for taste. Some people say, I just like a glass of this. It goes well with my, my wine. I, that's not how I drank. I drank to get intoxicated. I wanted to feel something. So I just need to leave it alone, right? So if I, if I want something bubbly, I get Perrier and I take it to the neck like a 40, but I, but it's just Perrier. So back to this though. This is why God says, Hey, I don't want you to get drunk because it takes you out of the, you're no longer in control. When someone gets caught driving under the influence of drugs or alcohol, they get a DUI driving under the influence. You're under the influence of something that is not God. And it's a gateway. You've left room. If you get drunk, I mean, whatever you do drunk, people make bad decisions drunk. We all know this. That if every, if clubs are full of every club, people will leave making bad decisions. People will leave clubs and make the decision to drive home drunk. Bad decision. There'll be accidents. There'll be deaths. Uh, people will go do other things. There'll be bad decisions made. So I just want to challenge you guys, uh, be it alcohol, be it drugs, be it marijuana, be it prescription, anything that takes you out of the place of where you're, you're in control of your faculties, um, where you're giving, if, if anybody here struggling by watching, if you struggle with using some substance that takes over your mind, it's a mind altering substance. Um, I would challenge you in the love of Christ, repent of it. Don't give your mind to anything else. Um, you want to be, you, you can't be filled with the spirit, led by the spirit, guided by the spirit and drunk. Y'all know that? It's, it's one or the other, right? You either are filled, led, guided by the Holy Spirit, or you can be filled, led, and guided by some other things. I caution you guys not to allow there to be other things that are guiding, leading, and empowering you, but it'll just be the Holy Spirit. And so again, this isn't the only place of uh, many, we, we can go on and on about all the bad decisions that are be made over alcohol. Um, but uh, here they solidify these bad decisions that they sit down to have a drink. Uh, but notice the contrast, but the city of Sushan, they were perplexed. This is why the people in the city, not, even the non-Jews were going to be perplexed. Like, why, why are they getting killed? Like the Jews aren't bad people. They're not dangerous people. So they would have been perplexed. Like, why are they doing this? They probably would be friends and neighbors with some of these people. So it would be perplexing to them. Like, why would they do this all of a sudden? And for the Jews, I'm sure they were uh, outraged and upset and fearful and um, trying to figure out what was going on. And so uh, imagine the chaos that, that, that this being put up everywhere would bring to a community. That's what has just happened here. Obviously, as we continue through the book, God is going to intervene. Meditate on this, that Haman uh, being the enemy of the Jews, being all the things that God, that Satan had made him to be and all that he did to come against them. I just want, I, I want to, I want to lift up uh, Mordecai and his example of just standing his ground, not moved, not fearful, not afraid of what the king might do to him, not afraid of what Haman might have done to him. Uh, just a decision that I just don't bow to anybody else. I'm a Jew. Worship the Lord. Worship God. That's it. And he just stood his ground. Uh, may we be people in this wicked, carnal culture in which we live 
that when pressed upon will stand our ground like this. Amen. Thanks for joining us here today on The Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Pastor Bill is making his way through the extraordinary book of Esther. While never mentioned throughout the entire book, we know that God was working through Esther and Mordecai to show his power and mercy to the people of Persia. Like them, many of us find ourselves influenced by the wrong example. Can you relate? Maybe you resist for a while, but then pressure and influence start to find cracks in your armor. How do you respond when you realize that sin has entered your life? In Esther, you are reminded to always trust that God is working through and around you for His glory. Turn back to Him and you will find strength and peace. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, and we want to help you with that. If you'd like to be a part of what God is doing through this ministry, join us in prayer. Like you, we need all the prayer we can get. If you feel led, we ask that you partner with us financially. Here's what you need to do. Head over to CalvaryInglewood.org to give online or download our mobile app and give that way. Once again, that website is CalvaryInglewood.org. You'll also find a link to our mobile app right there online. While you're there, check out the other resources we have to offer you, like archive messages, or you can follow along with our daily Bible reading plan. Well, it's time to say goodbye for now. We'll connect with you again next time in the book of Esther with a transforming word.